Welcome back to the Ice Coffee Hour with uh, me, Jeremy, and uh, obviously you guys know Graham and Jack, and I'm guessing you guys have made $333,333.33 from this podcast in its eternity. Is that accurate? No. Dang. It's about half that. It's yeah. actually almost exactly half that. Yeah, we made $165,700 from ad revenue so far. Wow. Yeah. I really thought it was higher. You guys have been doing this for a long time. And yeah. this is your fourth time coming on. Is it the fourth? It could, I think it's the fourth. It could be fifth or sixth, honestly. I There's been so many times. I know I went at least when you guys were in California at least twice. Yeah. And I know we've done at least twice out here. So I'm thinking this is probably number five or maybe number six yeah. ever. So. It would have been funny had you introduced this to, uh, welcome back to uh, another episode of Millennial Month. <laughs> wait, I'd be like, oh, wait. <laughs> wrong, thing. wrong show. Wrong channel. Wrong channel. I knew we didn't have it because we don't have the candles set up here like we've had for Millennial Money it's lately. So, yeah. A seance. Oh, a seance. We need those for this market so, right now. Oh, yeah. My gosh. For those that don't know. You are a stock market investor. You have a YouTube channel with now almost 800,000 subscribers. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. Not just a YouTube channel. It's multiple YouTube channels. Round it up. You have multiple. three YouTube channels. You talk about investing, growing your wealth, personal yeah. finance, and uh, you're a member of Millennial Money. Yes, yes. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be here. And uh, yeah, as far as me, I mostly focus on buying the dip in, in stocks, as you guys know. And that's uh, what I preach on the channel all the time. We talk stocks all the time. It used to be a little more other finance, but now I just stock, stock, stocks every day. So um, that's what I enjoy. And right now we got a fun time in the market. It's uh, a lot of volatility. Everybody's wondering, are we going for a crash, a recession, everything like that. So it's making for some good content. I'm having the most fun. Let me let me say this. I'm actually the most uh, in the best place I've ever been when it comes to YouTube videos right now. I am uh, feeling great. I'm so energized to make content right now. And believe it or not, last year at this time when the market was doing great and you had you know everybody getting excited, uh, that was a time period I actually didn't like uh, for YouTube content. Right now, I'm like having so much fun. Like I look forward to making two, three videos a day. It's it's a blast. It's just there's a lot of drama. Man. It's it's interesting. The higher your portfolio goes, the less motivation you have on YouTube. Yes. And when it flips, <laughs> yeah. then all of a sudden you're turning up three <laughs> yeah, videos. Let's go, baby. The worse your portfolio does, the better <laughs> yeah. you do on YouTube. I know. Well, last year a lot of valuations got insane, and so that made it for like I, I stopped even buying a lot of stocks. Like in the stocks I was buying uh, late in 2020 and in 2021, the the first part of it, Walgreens, J.P. Morgan, like the most boring stocks out there. Right now I look at a market where there's deals all over the place, and so that to me that that signals fun. Um, so I think that's why I'm, I'm having a good time on YouTube. L like last year at this time I was thinking mm -hmm. about quitting. I was legit. You were thinking about, about quitting that. YouTube? Yeah, Jeremy yeah. was going down to like one video a week. Yeah. Didn't you go a while in your your for your main channel without posting for a while? Yeah, right? I don't think I posted on the main channel for like two months or at least a month, maybe a month or two. And uh, yeah, I was just really getting demotivated by the market and the euphoria in the market. And, uh, you know, every stock was going to 10x and these sorts of things. And so, uh, you know, we're in the complete opposite of that market now. And so I think that's what's created um, a situation yeah. that I'm actually enjoying it more. Did you feel left out back then that everyone else was kind of picking these stocks that were doubling and tripling and you're, you know, sitting on the sidelines kind of like missing out of that rally? Yeah, I mean, I had a, a lot of, obviously, I've always had a lot of money in the market. So I was still participating, but I wasn't participating in those, uh, let's call them sketchy stocks or those sorts of stocks that were like, had no business models that were thriving during that time. So I never really feel bad at a, at a particular time like that, or even in a, a market like we're in right now where things are downtrending and you buy a stock and then it's like, it just went lower. It just went lower. Um, I never try to let that affect kind of the, my mentality because if you do, you're going to end up making worse decisions in the end. If you're going to start feeling FOMO in a FOMO market, Market, or you'll start end up panic selling in, in this sort of market. So I tried my best just to not to not let it affect me. At this point, does it have any emotional effect when you see like, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars of swings in your portfolio each day? I would say no, actually, believe it or not. No, um, <clears throat> I think I've just been doing it so long. I think that's the thing. I've been doing it for so long and it's it's always been like a gradual rise for me. And so because I've been doing it for so long, I just not even really phased by it. It's like if the market's down, I don't know, 5% tomorrow, it's like, okay, mm -hmm. cool. I'll buy some stocks. Um, but in terms of me getting high, you know, highs or lows off of that, not, not anymore. So, um, but there, I'm sure there was time periods in my life when I was an earlier investor, it felt really good. Now, if I hit a new milestone, it's like, oh, you know. Yeah, but what about a lot of the stocks that you've picked? Uh, mm -hmm. Tattooed Chef, Planet 13, Smile Direct, 
uh, Corsair, yep. a lot of those those stocks that you that you invested in have gone down a lot substantially. Yep. How does that affect you mentally to see yeah. those declines and then think that like we're 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 you know trading at a good value and then mm-hmm. they drop even further yeah. and you're like, well, I bought more, but it drops even more. Yeah. So first thing I try to go back to is what's going on with the underlying fundamentals of the company. So I look at it and I'm like, okay, what's the fu- what's going on with Tattoo Chef's actual business? And is that being reflected in the stock price? That's the first thing I focus on or honest or whatever, right? And so that's why I do a lot of channel checks and sometimes people laugh at me. Like I go to Target stores several times a week here in Vegas, drive around to Target stores. Literally, I spend hours out of my week driving to Target stores, going to see Tattoo Chef items. I go to Sam's Club, Costco, all these different stores. Uh, yeah, I know. It sounds absolutely ridiculous, uh, you know, unless you're really like into this stuff i go i check out the honest section i we take pictures and what are you looking for I'm looking for uh, seeing like new SKUs coming in. So right now, uh, Tattoo Chef's getting more SKUs into the target, which a SKU is essentially a new product. So right now, they're getting more products, more shelf space, which is like a huge yeah, deal. Imagine it's if Jeremy's sitting deal. there like out front of the section, be like, hey, you should buy some Tattoo Chef. He's just trying to like <laughs> sell it out, just throw it in people's carts as they walk by. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey take go. that. Take that. He's trying to get some items off the shelf uh, there. <laughs> there was a, so uh, this is probably two weeks ago, I was at a Target store and uh, there was a female she was looking at the tattoo chef stuff Mm -hmm. and i stood in the freezer aisle i kid you not for five minutes waiting for her to hopefully make a decision i pretended i was looking at something else just standing there like "Hmm," you know like enough away that i wouldn't like spook her and she wouldn't she wouldn't make a decision and finally i was like i I don't have the time to like continue to stand here so i went went somewhere else you didn't mention anything talk to her uh, because I wanted, I didn't want to mess it up. I didn't want to, I was like, maybe she's going to, well, maybe she was going to buy one. She was looking so intensely at the everything. You had to, you had to see if it had enough natural appeal, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, you know, so I never know if she actually bought or not, but I, I was, I, I imagine that five was, minutes. that was meet Kevin's wife. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, should I buy the tattooed chef? Oh no, wait, uh, no, I'm, uh, no, Kevin doesn't eat that. <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, but, so. but you know what? Why wouldn't you have gone up to her, uh, as she was walking away and be like, Hey, I saw you looking at the tattooed chef. Uh, I'm invested in the company. Can, can I ask you, like, why you didn't want to buy it? That sounds like, creepy. No, it wouldn't. I, I don't know. I, w- I, I would feel be like honest. standing and staring That's at creepy. a lady for I didn't five stare minutes. Stare at her, okay? Maybe, I had good peripheral vision. Maybe she was gonna walk in your position. Yeah, she freaked after, out, and she, she was, was like, so freaked out. She's like, "I'll just keep looking <laughs> at this gonna, tattoo I'm chef." Wait for this. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not gonna go buy the broccoli <laughs> over near this creepy man. Yeah, like, yeah, I'll just keep looking. Any sudden movements? I'm just gonna like wait here for him to leave, and you didn't leave. She's like, "All right, I'm gonna slowly." Imagine she yeah. owns the stock of whatever company I was pretending to look at. And she's like, is that yeah. guy ever going to make a <laughs> you decision? You pretending to look at something too. <laughs> oh, yeah. God. I want to talk to her and figure out why she didn't make the purchase or like what it was about the packaging or like the pricing. Did she, yeah. did she take it out of the freezer and like look at she it? She looked or? at several while I was there. She would like take it out, like look at it. Like, How old is she? Uh, I would say probably 30s. I, wow. I don't know. She yeah. time yeah, I like, would. I imagine well, someone like in their 70s is going to <laughs> <70s? laughs> like, read the whole show. thing. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> oh gosh. She, so, she obviously didn't like something on there with like the calories. Or like it wasn't an easy that. sell, right? Yeah. And that's a problem, isn't it? Well, I, hey, I'm not going to make my judgments off of one lady that was in an aisle for five minutes, but uh, it was interesting to see she was at least looking at the product. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so tracking sell through to get back to that, uh, seeing like if things are running out in those sorts of things. And we even do things like we'll count how many items they have and then go back a day later and see how many items oh. they have. Oh, they have 11. You, oh, you now do that six. or do you send someone? Uh, I won't usually go the, to that extent, but we do have people in the private stock group that do that. They'll count it. They'll go back the next day and they'll be like, oh, there was 11 of these, you know, yesterday. Now there's six or now there's eight how or is whatever. That, how is that at all? Re- like, I feel like, like it's only relevant when you compare it to other, I like know. to its competitors, right? Like, but you have to do that like across the country. You can't just do like one grocery yeah. store who happens to be in one location from one person. As with all things in the stock market, it's not a perfect science. And you can't just say this one thing is going to determine whether this is a successful investment or not. I just say, like, your ROI from doing that is probably pretty low. I know. Like, you could do anything else and probably make more money than that. Ah, that's what you could say. But (laughs) it's about putting in the work. It's about putting in the work, okay? And the more work you put in, maybe the the universe gives it to you back, you know? And maybe helps you out a little bit. So, I don't know. Yeah. But that, that's that's what I spend part of sure. my day doing. But first, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Storyblocks. Alex, your editing lately has been fantastic. You must be putting in a lot of hours. Thanks, man. I love spending countless hours finding the perfect B-roll for my favorite boss. <laughs> Little does Jack know I spend 
barely any time looking for B-roll because I have story blocks. First of all, Alex, I can hear you because I'm right here. And second of all, what's Storyblocks? Storyblocks is a subscription service that actually gives you instant access to millions of royalty-free HD and 4K footage, templates, images, sound effects, you name it. And finding the right piece of B-roll, such as this, is one of the most challenging, time-consuming, and crucial parts about being an editor. But with Storyblocks, that's no longer an issue. Investing is a huge part of our job, and one of the best investments I've made is Storyblocks. The time and energy I save on top of the increased quality of content is truly priceless. And best of all, Storyblocks has affordable and scalable pricing plans. You can start creating with the tools that you need without having to worry about a budget. Plus, their unlimited all-access plan lets you download unlimited assets from all three of their libraries. Creativity really doesn't have to be so taxing, and you know how much I hate taxes. Ugh! So take your editing to the next level by going to storyblocks.com ICH. Once again, guys, Storyblocks blocks.com slash ICH. We have a link down in the description. Thank you so much, Storyblocks, for sponsoring this episode. And back, back to, to the, the podcast. podcast. But as far as prices declining, how does that impact you? Do you ever get worried to the point where it's like, well, like, what if this is the new normal? What if yeah. it stays like this for 10 years or it just yeah. keeps declining or... I worry so, about yeah. I worry about the the overall economy. You know, like if we were to go into a massive recession, that was a multi year recession or something like that. That's usually my worry. If we're in a good economic climate, um, you know, I'm, I'm not very very worried. Let's put it that way. Uh, especially for any of these sorts of stocks that I own, they can only trade unsustainably low levels for so long. You know, it can last for months or maybe even a year, but it's unsustainable. And just like last year at this time, um, you know, stocks got to very unsustainable levels, like PE ratios reached like, you know, parabolic levels and things like that. And if you looked at like a forward PE uh, through like your Andini research or whatever, you looked at forward PEs of, uh, you know, small cap stocks or large caps or mid caps, they were trading astronomically high at this time last year. It was unsustainable. And right now, if you look, they're trading at their lowest levels they have in over a decade over a decade for mids and small caps. And so when I look at that, that makes me feel pretty darn comfortable. I do worry about, okay, what if we had a, a multi-year recession? But outside of that, you could only have stock prices trade unsustainably low or high for so long, and then it breaks but trend. isn't there a worry of opportunity cost where, if, let's say your money's tied up in like Corsair, Tattooed Chef, and, and Smile Direct, mm -hmm. that there's the opportunity cost of these other companies that might do better in the short term or at least yeah. better over the next let's say one to three years yeah so there's a there's a few frames of mind from that one is do you want to get caught up into making short-term decisions right i'm always trying to make the best decision over the next three to five years that's always my thought process going in what's going on for this company over the next three to five years past five years i don't really know because that's too far in the future and if i'm making a bet for a year that's pretty darn short term to be honest so i'm usually thinking three to five years out when it comes to these companies and um I'm trying to make the best decision for the long term when it comes to those. And, uh, you know, back to the rest part of that question. Uh, you know, what was that again? I'm do you, trying to remember. Do you worry? Do I, I mean, worry? Is, is oh. it, do, you, do you have a concern for yourself or like what What if these just keep falling? Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, I, I, I stay focused on long term and then I just I look at the fundamentals of underlying companies. Oh, and I remember the other point, you know, you were kind of going across there. What if it was a better stock or something like that, right? Well, what is that better stock? You know, look at Facebook after hours today, down 24%. Look what just happened to PayPal. Is that the better stock? That just went down 24%. Look what happened to Netflix. Netflix got slashed 24% on their earnings, right? And so, you know, I, I don't really um, go into the notion of, you know, oh, maybe it'd be better in these stocks or something like that. Look at bank stocks. A lot of those are getting close to 52-week lows now. So... I think in this sort of market, you got to stay with what you believe in for the next three, five years and, and, and basically put blinders on for everything else out there. Because I think it's just you're, you'll end up uh, Kevin O'Leary today. Kevin O'Leary goes on CNBC. He was a PayPal shareholder. He got devastated in PayPal today. It was down like 25 percent. He says, I'm done. I'm selling PayPal today. I'm putting the money in Facebook. Facebook goes down 25 percent after hours. So that's the type of ridiculous moves people make in this sort of market where they're just not thinking. It's like, okay, you just got slashed 25% on PayPal. Instead of buying the dip, you're going to sell, put that money in, in Facebook, and Facebook just got slashed 25%. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, you just have to put on blinders in this sort of volatile market and, and stay focused on the, yeah. the ones you like. Now, you bought PayPal, though. Yes, I bought After PayPal on the hours. huge dip. Yeah, yeah, I was shocked to see it had dropped more this morning. Yep, and I bought a lot more. I put another thirty thousand in this morning. What at did like you one thirty? What did you buy? After hours yesterday, I bought fifteen thousand. Then I bought another fifteen thousand as it dropped more, 
And then I dropped another 15,000 as it dropped more. And then I put another 30,000 in um, this morning when it was down low. And my plan is if it falls to 126, I'm going to buy another 15,000. If it falls to 121, another 15,000. If it goes All to right, 116, well, get your cash ready, Jeremy, because Jack's buying it. Yeah, I'm getting <laughs> Jack's buying immediately it tomorrow. Jack, please do not buy PayPal. Why? Please. Because it's going to be another Robin. That's okay. I don't even have any money, anyways. <laughs> Good. Jack, come on. Yeah. You, why don't you have any money, Jack? Tell us, tell us what's going on. You uh, spent it all on a Miata. No, I put it. I put it all in Robinhood stock. <laughs> did you really, Jack? No, I put a lot in. <laughs> How much did you buy? Robin? I put like fifteen thousand dollars. Fifteen? Yeah, that's not. What do you worse. mean that's not? Could be worse. That's a lot of money. Yeah, could I put a lot worse. in Robinhood, and yeah. uh, I was wondering. I was like checking my bank account. I'm like, where is my money? I don't know where it is. <laughs> and uh, I think yeah. what it what, where it went mm-hmm. is um, a month or two ago. I just like sent a bunch of money to M1 Finance. Okay. Yeah. And what what, what do you do with M1 Finance? Uh, well, uh, Robinhood. <laughs> <Okay>. no, <laughs> no, it's a it's a it's like t- a little bit of Tesla, a little bit of AMD, and then mostly like. I think it's uh, VTI and like VUG. AMD's looking good, by the way. That's one of the very few stocks that's holding up in this market. So. Yep. So it, my M1 finance account is like okay, but my Robinhood account is suffering. Yeah, suffering. Suffering <laughs> very badly. Suffering very badly. It, yeah. Yeah. Now there's rumors PayPal might, in the back half of this year, if Robinhood and SoFi continue to fall, they might try to make a move on, on Robinhood or SoFi. That's just a rumor, though. We'll see what I, happens. I cannot see Robinhood being sold to PayPal. I mean, yeah. but watch me eat my words. Just <laughs> watch me a year from, from now. now. Someone will take that clip, <laughs> use it, and it'll, it'll have happened. I uh, would rather see like an Apple. I don't know, like an Apple or like a Google or like a big a big mm-hmm. five company swoop in, take them, and then integrate them within like a bigger service. Yeah. Robinhood might need to like rebrand everything. Yeah. They need a big point, brother, honestly. Yeah, I think if they got acquired by a bigger company, they change the name, mm-hmm. they try to make it a little bit different. So that way when people log in and they, they join, they don't think of Robinhood yeah. anymore. They think of, oh, there's a new company, they're trying to make these changes. Yeah, no, that that might not be a bad idea at all. But the Hood, you guys still use the app, both of you, or not anymore? No, okay. I, I don't. You don't? I still use it. You still use it? Okay. Yeah. You have to admit, though, for options... They're an easy platform for options. They make it. They yeah. make it so simple. And margin and it, too. And margin. And I still see. I still see on, on Wall Street bets. People margin. are still posting Robinhood screenshots. Wow. You're not seeing. You're rarely seeing them from any other brokerage. Yeah. So it goes to show you. I mean, just how. Uh, how Robinhood is being used right now. It's yeah. Lot of options. Jeez, man. Uh. By the way, Robinhood fell nine to nines uh, after hours that day. It reported, and today I think it's at 13 or 14. So it made like a 30, 40% jump, like in a snap of fingers. Crazy. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, nonetheless, you know, th- that's kind of the way I think about the market. Stay focused on the long term over the next three, five years. This is a lot to be scared of right now. You got the Fed, you got recession fears, you got companies not really giving guidance. Um, I think there's a lot to be scared of in this time. But, um, you know, the best, the best thing you could do is just focus on the next three to five years. So that's kind of that's kind of my opinion on yeah. that. I find it surprising that you don't panic or you, you don't get at all concerned about stocks going down. Yeah. No. Um, I think it's just the experience. That's the thing. Um, You know, when you've been doing it for so long, I think that's what it really comes down to. I think if you're a newer investor who's just kind of started to get rolling in this, I think I think it's very easy to get panicked. Um, you know, I've held a lot of stocks in my time that are very controversial companies. I've held a lot of stocks that had huge short interest. I've held a ton of stocks that I went down 20, 30, 40% on before. So for me to go down in stocks, like that's expected. I almost, I catch falling knives all the time. So, you know, think about some of the stocks I've been in, even in my YouTube career, GoPro, which went obviously dramatically bad, right? Tesla, which was the first year I was investing. That was a drama show. Elon Musk with the SEC, all that. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously being through the crash, getting started in the crash, been through corrections. I think I've just been through so much that I think that's what gives me the confidence to kind of hold through. But you also must have some like personal practices that keep you so level-headed and calm because every time mm-hmm. I, I see you, it doesn't matter. Like I, I, Oh, I used to see you more often when I lived with Graham. Yeah. But I, every time I still see you, you're very calm and collected. Mm-hmm. What do you, you do are. in your own personal life to stay <laughs> yeah. so calm yeah. and collected? Like, do you like meditate? Mm-hmm. Do you get like a good amount of sleep every night? What is it? Yeah. So sleep, yes. I, I always get six to eight hours every night. Um, I go to bed super late, but then I wake up kind of late. So I might go to bed at two 
a.m. and usually wake up like 9 a.m., maybe 10 a.m. if I sleep in a little bit. So I always get a healthy amount of sleep. I meditate every day uh, for about 15 minutes before I go to bed. Um, that just that helps with like anxiety and those sorts of things, which I think is something that, you know, in this sort of market, uh, you need that, right? Mindful meditation helps massively with like stress, stress relief and uh, anxiety. And in this sort of market we're in right now, there's a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety. And I think that gets the best of people. Um, but at the end of the day, like I said, I think a lot just goes back to experience. If you've been through it and you've been going through it, um, and the thing for me is I've been doing it so long and I've just kind of climbed the ranks. It wasn't like I went from like, you know, a, a super small amount of money to like an, ex, like a huge amount of money. The first time I had six figures in the stock market, I was 23 years old, 23 years old with six figures in the stock market, 24, I hit 200 K in the stock market. And, um, you know, then, uh, maybe 28, I hit a million or so 28, 29. So my, my, you know, kind of moves up has has been, um, I would call it gradual, Whereas, um, you know, if you just flood in a bunch of money, let's say you're already a millionaire and then you flood some money in the market, I think it's really easy to get scared. So, but as far as me, those are some of the practices I usually do. When did you start meditating? I did that, I uh, started that, let's see, that was about a year and a half ago. Yeah, I started meditation about a year and a half ago. And uh, that was definitely amazing. You know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy I found mindful meditation because I always was somebody that dealt with a lot of anxiety and like over worrying about things and, and those sorts of things. So um, I came across mindful meditation and my gosh, that was a, you know, a life changer, I would say. Because um, the structure of your brain, you can actually change it. I, I don't think a lot of people realize this. You can actually change the way your, your brain functions. And um, I actually started diving. I never, you know, I didn't even think about that. I thought like the way your brain is or how you think is like just like how you think, right? Um, but it's not. It's like just like you can transform your body to be more strong or more fast or, you know, get a six pack or whatever. You can do the same thing with your brain. And I came across a Wim Hof method probably three years ago. And that's what started me down this cycle of like you could actually change your brain. You could change the way you think, the way you behave and those sorts of things. And then uh, about a year and a half ago is when I came across mindful meditation. And that was kind of like the the next lever of like understanding uh, how to strengthen your brain and the science based, uh, you know, advantages that is, is astronomical. Yeah. I would say anybody watching this, look into it. it, it, it I, there's no hurt yeah. it will do to you and it will only help. But first, I'd like to thank our sponsor, VinoVest. Alex, I just came up with the best investing idea. Well, what is it? I'd like to buy wine, let it age and become more valuable, and then sell it for a profit. The only problem is I don't know where I would store the wine or buy it or sell it. I really don't know anything about wine. Well, Jack, with VinoVest, you could do all of that without worrying about a single thing. And VinoVest is the best and easiest place to invest in wine. We always say diversifying is the best way to grow your portfolio. And since wine has a very low correlation with the stock market, it's perfect. VinoVest inspects every bottle for authenticity. Then they store it in a climate-controlled room and they monitor them 24-7. Think about it. What costs more, a new or an aged bottle of wine? Every year that wine ages, it goes up in value. And that's that's exactly how every other good investment works. In the first quarter of 2020, the Dow and the S&P 500 dropped a whole 22%. And where did that leave wine? Up 1.1%. Don't liquidate your assets, liquefy them with VinoVest. <laughs> so check out the link down below in the description and start diversifying your portfolio today with VinoVest. Guys, check out VinoVest down below in the description. Thank you, VinoVest, for sponsoring this episode. And back, back to, to the, the podcast. Walk us through the process. How, do, how did you learn about it, and how do you do that? How, how do you do yeah. What does it mean to mindfully yeah. meditate? Mindful meditation, what it is essentially is, you know, imagine you're, you know, uh, usually I just go to my closet in the dark and just sit down. And um, what you do, you close your eyes, and, you know, you're usually always going to be thinking thoughts, right? And your job is essentially to focus back on your breathing. So you're going to think about something, then you focus back on your breathing focus on your breathing. Your mind's going to all of a sudden drift from thinking about breathing to thinking about something else. Then it's you up for you to say, you know, basically in your head thoughts and then bring it back to your breath work again. Um, or maybe you hear a sound in the house or something happens and you, you process that as sound. Uh, and then you start, you know, focusing on your breathing again. And so it's training. It's essentially like you would train your body. You're training your brain to not over, over obsess about things that aren't relevant or whatnot and understand, um, you don't have to have compulsive thoughts or, or something like that. So that's something that it personally helps me with. It does help with focus as well, which is something I always had a lot of trouble with, uh, in terms of 
uh, focusing on a conversation or something like that. That was something I used to have a lot of trouble with. And I've noticed my focus has definitely improved since I started mindful meditation. Cause I, you know, there's a lot of times where I would be there, but not really be there. Do you know what I mean? Like you're, you're talking to somebody having a conversation. You're kind of like giving the vibes, like you're, you're in that conversation, but you're not really in that conversation. And uh, last thing I've seen some improvement with is, is memory. I, I definitely can remember things better than in the past, and everything's not as much of a blur. And I can remember specific things I said to somebody or specific things that happened, which is uh, helpful because, you know, especially if you're in a busy lifestyle, you, it can start to just become like a blur. And you're like, dude, I can't even remember what I ate yesterday. I can't remember what I did. And, um, you know, that's not a fun way to live, you know, because then but you're just like, oh, my I gosh. Think, why do I need to remember what I ate yesterday? Yeah. Why do I need to remember that? Like, I don't know. I feel like my mind could go without those little details. Yeah. Because <laughs> then it's like, well, you know, I don't need to retain that info. But it's also about like conversations you have with people, um, meaningful things that that happen. Being present. That's a huge thing. It helped me be more present and like enjoy like, <laughs> this sounds crazy, but like little stuff like birds chirping or whatever, like that's the type of stuff. You, you know, when you're when you're so when your mind's so like obsessed in this this weird state, you stop even paying attention to like nature and like, uh, you know, good things going on and whatnot that uh us as humans i think just crave and um you know so so anyways there's there's been a lot that has changed for me for the better and i would say overall i'm I'm happier and the reason i think i'm mainly happier is because of not having to worry about things constantly and over obsessing over whatever is going on or whatever what were you worrying about previously oh my gosh everything you know it, it didn't matter if there's ever anything in my life that went wrong um, you know, I would, I would just over obsess about thinking about it, constantly worry like, oh my gosh, this could happen. This could happen. This could happen. Um, into a very unhealthy state, you know, where you just have obsessed, obsessive thoughts about things that are going to go wrong or could go wrong. This might go wrong. You know, what if this happens? I don't know. What if this, this light falls on my head and I die? You know what I mean? Like it's just ridiculous thoughts that don't even make sense. But you, you know, I'm sure there's people out there that have gone through that. And that's where, you know, I kind of reached a breaking point. I'm like, I got to figure out a way out, out of this. And that's how I came across mindful meditation. I was, I was heard about it, but I never really knew about it. I heard about it and I was like, uh, I thought it was just some, some, you know, whatever thing, you know, that some people do. And then I, what got me was I looked in the science based facts around it and what that, cause I was like, well, if somebody says it's good, maybe they just, it's in their brain that like, they're like, oh, that, that helped me out. But when you look into the science based uh, things, that's what got me into it. And so, yeah. yeah. Have you done that Jack? Mindful meditation? Yeah. I tried meditating probably a month and a half ago and I was doing it every single day and I was like listening to something too, like a, a guide that would mm. walk me through it, you know, and I did the the introductory course for it, which I think was like seven or 10 days. And I, then it came, was like, Oh, you got to pay. And I was like, Oh, come on. <laughs> stopped. I stopped. It was oh helping too. I, it's, I don't know. Free on YouTube. I, I don't know. I, I should have just, YouTube. yeah, yeah, YouTube. yeah, you're right. I, I, I tell myself all the time, probably every day, that I got to get back into the, yeah, to meditating. Anyway. This it, is your do you? sign. This is a sign. I do used you? to. And, and why'd you stop? Because it helped, and then I thought I was cured. Yeah. Ah, that's it. a problem. It's just, it. it's, it, mental yeah. health is just a, like physical health, and mm. I think that's the way people are going to start viewing in the future. I don't think that's the way it's been viewed as a, the, the past. But just like you know, going to the gym, right? You could get overweight, and then you, you go to the gym, and then you get down to like a healthy weight, and you're like, oh, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. But then all of a sudden, if you break it, you're going to gain that weight back. Mm-hmm. So same thing with like mental health. If you get yourself to a good point because you're doing something, you got to stay strong and keep doing that thing. Otherwise, you'll end up relapsing, and you'll get into a weakened state again and then your brain won't be in a good place and so you gotta you gotta keep it up if you want to stay in good shape that's the way i look at it you kind of got your physical shape and then you got your mental shape so what do you think led to you being so nervous and anxious about random things do you think there was something that happened or something like growing up or maybe this is just how this has just been you since you were a child yeah, I, I mean, I think probably my family circumstances growing up um, definitely could have, uh, you know, drove me to just be, you know, have more anxiety as a, as a kid. I think some of it's probably hereditary, you know, like it's you're you're born certain ways, right? And so I think some people are are more likely to, um, you know, have those anxiety type thoughts than than other folks maybe, whereas other folks just, you know. That doesn't even hit them. They, they don't worry about anything. you got some people that are fearless, right? Like they don't get scared of anything. They don't fear anything. They don't have any anxiety. And they're just kind of like naturally like that. Like they don't, don't even need to try. And you got other folks that, that really had problems with that. So, um, you know, I think some of it's just probably lifestyle growing up. And then I think part of it's just um, maybe, maybe the way I am, you know. 
And do you think it's partially that anxiety and that like nervousness that led you to like want to do so much with your life and like become like a multimillionaire and like achieve great things? I, I don't think so. Um, first off, I'm a Scorpio. So if, if you don't know about Scorpios, look them <laughs> up. Don't. Okay. Look them up. <laughs> look them up sometime. Okay. But uh, yeah, I think for me, you know, I just love, I love competition. I love competing. Um, I love playing games. I love winning and losing. Jack, you know this because we, we play tennis many times and you know, I can get very, very competitive and I just love that. And even if you beat me, like, I'm like, okay, you know, I would rather compete and lose to you than not play at all. And so for me, money is kind of a, you know, it's, it's a game, you know, it's a fun game. And, uh, that's kind of the way I look at it. And there's certain things I'm trying to do in my life, obviously, like I'd love to be able to make crazy amounts of money to give it back to charity and things like that. Not just give it to my kids so they can ride around on yachts or something like that. Um, but that's kind of, that's kind of the way I think. And I'm like, you know, uh, to me, it's just very motivating, you know, and I think that's, I love business. I love investing. I love those sorts of things. It's not like, it doesn't even feel like work for me. Uh, I listened to a conference call in the bubble bath last night. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't, Man. doesn't bother me. So bubble, bubble bath. Yeah. Bubble Is bath. Is that another trick? I, I, yeah, I take at least uh, two to three baths a week. Yeah. Do you bubble really? bath. Yeah. <laughs> on a conference call. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, yeah. Is it just to you? Uh, just usually, you? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, usually. But sometimes. But sometimes, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'm not going to say. Wow. <laughs> we need, we need to some, some yeah, nice romantic me, music, yeah. some Barry White in the background. Nice. Oh, God. Nice. Wow. So, yeah, you know. <laughs> Jerry. <laughs> There's a reason I had three kids, you know what I mean? Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. That's fired. Oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah, speaking of which, you just had a third child. Yes, indeed. Yep, number three, uh, baby Axel. So, how'd you, pick the, how'd you pick the name Axel? Uh, well, so we try to come up with somewhat creative names for all the kids. And so, um, I don't know, we, we were just thinking, and then we came across that name, and we were like, oh, that's that's pretty different. Like, how many people you know that are named that? And we were trying to think of a four-letter name, because other kids have four-letter names as well. Mm-hmm. So that's how we came up with that. But yeah, I, I didn't think I would be a, a father of, of three, so I didn't picture that in my life. I also started having kids way younger than I thought. Yeah. I thought I would probably start having kids in my 30s. That's how I really thought. And then I ended up having, you know, uh, one kid at 24, one kid at 20, was that seven? And then obviously this one, a, a little Five late. For Jack, that would be in a year from now that's, for you. That's crazy. Imagine in one <laughs> year I having... I could not Wait, wait, imagine you were 24 when the baby was born? Yes, 24, yep. Yeah, so actually, Jack, that would mean like now. Yeah, so like you wow. start she now, was pregnant yeah. when I was 23. Wow. Yeah. See, so. I can't, I cannot imagine can't. taking care of a child or like a, a pregnant wife right now. That mm. would just be like so much for me. Yeah, I think, I think people make it out to be a lot bigger than it is in their heads. Like, oh my gosh, I'm not ready for that. I'm not ready for that. And it's not as big of a deal as you think. I think it's a pretty big deal. It's not. Know. It's not. I, I think, I, I think, especially know. as men, I don't think, and even women are like this. I think, you, you know, I, I don't think you ever feel like you're ready. I'll be clear about that. There's never going to be a time point where it's like, I feel ready to have kids now. It just doesn't work like that. Um, you know, you'll never feel fully ready. You'll always feel a little unconfident because it's it's a big responsibility. It's like I'm bringing somebody into this world. I've got to try to keep them on the right track. I got to try to teach them all this stuff and whatnot. So it's it's a huge responsibility. But you'll, ne- in my opinion, you'll never feel ready. Um, you just got to do it. And, and then when it's there, you're like, oh my gosh, it's like the best thing ever. So, um, you know, I, I, yeah, I could, I could say confidently, I look at back at my life, you know, my wife and I talk about this sometimes. It's like, man, what did we do before we had kids? Like life, like when I look back, I'm like, man, it's so boring. Like, what did we do? Like go out to eat or something? Like, you know what I mean? And, when, and then once you have kids, it's like, there's so much fun. They can get annoying sometimes, but there's so much fun that it's like uh, your whole life changes and, and uh, yeah, it's enjoyable. So, but you'll never feel like you're ready. I'll just, I'll just put that out there. So, mm. yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Graham's like, all right, let's, let's, right, let's, let's keep it going. The, tell us about the Hungry Bull app, Jeremy. Oh, oh, my gosh. Going on that's with my that. fourth so, kid. Yeah, yeah. The yeah so d- give a background on the Hungry Bull app because this has been a, a long gosh. time in the works and it's been draining a lot yes. of money. Oh, my gosh. You made, been you've money. been making a lot of videos on your money-losing company. Yeah. Oh, you, i got to get back to that. I haven't been doing yeah. that. Thanks for reminding me. Yeah, so basically you take a pile of money and you burn it. Yes, exactly. basically it. The bull is hungry, okay? Yeah, so Hungry Bull, you know, we came across that concept, I don't know, maybe sometime around this time last year, roughly, around doing a newsletter. Then we built it into an app, got the app launched um, in August, about August. And uh, it was really rough at that time, but 
people stayed with us. We've just continued to improve and improve it. And uh, man, it's been a lot of work. I could tell you that it's a lot of work. You know, if anybody ever is thinking about starting an app or, or anything like that, it is so much work to try to make this thing successful. Um, a lot of people have been putting in a lot of time and, um, you know, we're making progress, but, uh, you know, it's definitely not just like, uh, I think I maybe was a little naive going in. I think if I, if I, I think if I knew what I know now, I wouldn't have done it. I'll be yeah. honest. Um, but with that being said, sometimes ignorance is the best thing ever, right? Because if you know what you're kind of in for, you're much more likely to be like, ah, nah, forget that. And that you never push through to re reach something, right? Um, kind of like YouTube. YouTube, I put out 100 videos uh, and I maybe had 1,000 subscribers, 100 videos. If I knew it was, I was going to put in that much work and get that little out of it, I think my first year on YouTube, I made like 1,000 bucks, maybe max. Mm -hmm. um, and so the same thing with the Hungry Bull. I went in, I think, very, very uh, you know, ignorant in this situation. And I thought... Oh, you know, this is we're gonna make this work. It's gonna be, you know, a year from now we're gonna be at this, this incredible place. And I'm just like, it takes a lot longer to build things out the way you want to build them out. It's tough. You got to keep people motivated. Um, developers are so in demand right now. It's incredible, and um, they have all the power right now. And so, yeah, it, it's it's a grind. It's something I committed to for five years, so I'm still staying with it. Five years? Yeah. yeah. Why, why five years? Well, I did understand uh, going in it was not going to be – I didn't know it was going to be this hard, but I also understood it wasn't going to happen like tomorrow. Like you look at almost everything that's you know been successful. It usually takes time to really get it up to a level um, that – it's, it's doing great, right? And it's in a great place. If we even think about our YouTube channels, like the first year definitely wasn't in a great place, right? Uh, year two, things start to really click. Year three, okay, now now it's really starting to get going. So that's the same exact way I looked at the Hungry Bull. I'm like, the first year is going to be really rough, you know? Um, year two, hopefully you start to make some progress. And you're like, okay, we're, get, we're getting somewhere with this thing. And then year three, hopefully, is that year where you're like, okay, we're doing this. Like we're, And so this year for me, and I told the guys this. I said, if we make it through this year, we're good. Uh, we're we're going to be on the way as long as we make it through this year. Um, but yeah, man, it's a, it's a lot of work where we grind on it. Thank you to everybody that ever supports Hungry Bull. Uh, we appreciate you guys. We got uh, hopefully a website coming at some point this year and hopefully just going to make the app better and better. And thank you to everybody that leaves us a review on the app store. It means a lot. It means a lot. Um, we're trying to do something special yeah. there. And, and There was yeah. a guy uh, I heard earlier who spent $5 billion in the UK to build out a stock brokerage. Wow. Five billion dollars that's how world? much they've spent so far Jeez. Yeah. and i'm thinking to myself Gee, five billion you may as well like what's the point of building the brokerage yeah. it's like you spend five billion so you could get five billion i'm like you already have five billion yeah, just, exactly. just don't build a brokerage that's chill insane five billion dollars oh my gosh wild Jeez, i don't even know how that's possible yeah <laughs> i have kind of an interesting uh proposition okay so you said that you kind of suffered with like anxiety and nervousness and stuff like that. Yep. And I know that Graham has something that's similar. Mm. And I'm wondering, I'm I have just a uptight. That's all. <laughs> you have a video on YouTube erotic. titled "My Struggle with Social Anxiety." Not anymore, but I, but I came, you know, oh, you solved it. Fast. I solved it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you just got just it's put it on. You just practice putting yourself out there. Right. Yeah. Got it. Well, I I have a theory, and I think disproportionately. A lot of people that are very successful mm -hmm. struggle from anxiety and being nervous and stuff like that. And because of that, it pushes them to achieve more because they want it. They have either like a scarcity mentality or they just somehow feel inferior and feel mm -hmm. like they need to compensate by being successful financially. Yeah. What do you guys think about that? Um, Sounds like something a broke person was saying. Oh. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't really have any thoughts about that. I think different things drive different people, to be yeah. honest. Um, you know, I, I can't speak for other people, but I, I know for just me personally, you know, I love business and investing so much, you know, like ever since I really started to dive into it when I was in college, you know, it was just something that like right away, like I always hated school. I was a horrible student. I graduated high school with a 2.23 GPA, a 2.23. So for those of you who don't know, that's very bad. Okay. <laughs> and, um, you know, and, the, and then I go, I go to community college and I start taking like business courses and whatnot. And I start getting like A's and B's and I, I just, I always enjoyed it. Even like accounting, which accounting is, is a subject that, you know, I think a lot of people do not like, you know, reading income statements, balance sheets, cash flows, those sorts of things. Right. And doing accounting for companies. I took three levels of that. 
And I thought that was fun. I think because at the end of the day, it came down to money and it was like business related. And so I even found accounting fun where I never, I always hated anything math related, right? Um, in school, like that was one of my worst subjects, but I enjoyed it so much. And so for me, it, you know, it was kind of like, I just found that as a passion and, uh, I've always been obsessed with business and investing ever since. And I'm always very obsessed with like anybody who's very successful at anything. I have just a great appreciation for people that are really on top of their game, you know, where they're like, they're the best at their craft. I, I love sports and like, uh, you know, I always love watching Tiger Woods play golf. I don't even like golf, but like the, how dominant he was back in the day or, you know, any of these athletes, Tom Brady and whatnot. It's like, I just appreciate anybody that's that great at something. So, and Graham on, on YouTube, how great he is, you know, we just appreciate him. He's in the hall of fame. So, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that, that's kind of my thoughts on that. So I don't know if you have any thoughts there, Graham. Yeah, no, I agree. I've always been obsessed though with like, uh, with, with, saving and, in, mm. and money and investing. So I've always just been gravitating towards that. Uh, even as a young age, I'd collect, like I would look through the change and I, I'd, and I knew that my grandpa told me there was a 1909 SVDB penny mm. and those pennies were worth like $2,000. And I'd look through all the pennies at like six years old yep. to try to find that 1909 SVDB penny. You're not, you're <laughs> never going to find one, but, but just in case it was there and I'd like collect when the state quarters came out, remember those? Yep, I collected. I those. loved the state yeah, quarters. Yeah, I had I collected one. all of them, and yep. I tried, and I would keep the ones that were in the best condition. <laughs> and I had that book, uh, that little thing where you squeeze them in there, like in all fifty states. I loved that. Was it so. collecting in general or collecting money? <laughs> because it was money, both. Both, I think. I, I love collecting things, but I also like collecting things of value that will keep their value yeah. or increase in value. What I'm curious is, yeah. what do you think is in you that makes you want to collect things and like save? Is there anything in you? I don't or know. Or is probably. it just a, a raw desire? You just like it. I used to be a squirrel in a past life, just a, you know, <laughs> finding nuts and just burying them away. I don't know. I just, I love, I love collections. I mm. love when I see someone's collection, mm. no matter what it is, because it's cool. To yeah. see, like, the piece something together and keep it in good condition. And I don't know, there's something about it that's just neat. No, I can understand that. I had a great business when I was six years old, seven years old. It was a legal gambling business. So <laughs> I had a I had a bingo little machine. And uh, my, my dad and my brother, they always loved uh, gambling on anything. So I'd run this little uh, machine and play bingo against them. And I, that was a pretty pro profitable business, I got to say. That was one of my most profitable businesses I ever had. Oh, so. <laughs> <laughs> I used to have one of those as a, as a kid. It was a, a, it was a toy, but it was like this, this plastic gambling thing, like yeah. a slot machine. Oh, and you would do the thing like you put in a quarter, yeah. you do the thing. And if you got all sevens, it would it would displace all the quarters that were put in there. Oh, wow. And uh, I go to my grandma's house and I yep. put it up there. And sometimes you'd have family over and mm -hmm. I would ask everyone to like try to win money. Oh, and I just collect gosh. the quarters. Yeah. I remember one time I think somebody won and got all the quarters. I was so upset. <laughs> and it, I, I was like, no, 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 it didn't work. You got to do it again. It glitched. It wasn't supposed to do that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But yeah. No, and then, and then that brought me to another point. I, you know, as my childhood, I was introduced to gambling very, very young, you know, because of my, my dad and my brother. And, um, you know, even as a little kid, we'd go to the dog track, which I don't know if you guys have ever been to a dog track before. It's uh, basically greyhounds race around and try to catch this little electronic bunny. Oh, my And whoever, gosh. whatever dogs win. I, I don't even know if it's legal nowadays. To I be don't honest. know that one. It might, yeah, PETA might not be happy. No with, way, yeah. yeah. I know the one that they we used to go to called, uh, I think it was called Greyhound Park in Phoenix. I think they closed it down long, long time time ago but uh, i was introduced to that at a very young age and so i think that's where i get kind of my my uh, uh like understanding of risk right from a very very young age because i was introduced to gambling and like understanding like that's too much risk to take or that's the right uh, amount of risk and what i used to bet on as a little kid is i don't have my, my dad place of bets or whatever is i would bet on dogs to show which to show means you come in the top three it's seen as like a safer bet you don't win as much money but it's a, it's a little safer. So versus betting out a dog to win because there's, mm. I think there was either eight or 10 dogs in the race. And, you know, you never know who's going to win out of those dogs. So reminds me why you like so much the we had this horsey game. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. That's you funny. Love the horsey game. You oh, just want to. And it, I'll admit it's so much fun. It's so <laughs> very fun. It's I never thought I'd enjoy this game so much, but it's like uh, it's this racetrack of horses and you click the button and all these mechanical horses run around the track yeah. and you don't know which one is going to win. <laughs> and uh, I think there's like, yeah, like eight of eight, eight or ten of them. 
and they all have different odds and you click the ones that you think are going to win yeah. and sometimes it'll be neck and neck and then all of a sudden like the one in the last place will go like shh, zoom in front of everyone else's <laughs> last minute you're like oh one was winning and then three just took over yeah like, the last second oh yeah no and, and you know we were always uh you know being around my dad my, my brother who's eight years older than me they're always gambling on something man always sports betting uh, you know uh doing that type of stuff or we even used to gamble on video games so we used to have a horse racing game that was a video game for playstation 2 i think it was yeah. back in the day and uh, we would they would give you odds in the game, and we had this little box that you'd put money into to bet on your horse coming in a certain place. And if you, you lost, then the money stayed in the box. It was like this little bank uh, box. And uh, so, yeah, I think, I think at the end of the day, like I was so around so much gambling that I got very comfortable with taking risk and like where's my calculated risks at that I should take and where should I not take risk. So I think that's another reason why I don't freak out in the market because – I mean, when you're gambling, you know, you lose a bet, you lose 100% of your money. If I, if I go down 20% or 30% on the stock, it doesn't really freak me out. So um, as long as my companies don't go bankrupt, I should be okay. So <laughs> Why don't you take 10% to your portfolio and no. just invest that in some of the riskier plays? Because it would give you a different aspect to talk about with a smaller portion of your portfolio. What do you mean? Riskier plays, like riskier like, stocks, like more. Uh, I don't want to say momentum, but uh, but you know, I don't want to say gambling. Yeah, but you know, some of the hypier stocks that uh, you know, in, in short term plays. Oh yeah, yeah, under a year, but between one and five months. Yeah, so short term plays. First off, some of the stocks I'm in, people would see as riskier because some of the stocks I'm in are unprofitable businesses right now in high growth in newer companies. Um, so I think some stocks I am in, including Tattoo Chef, I think some people would be like, "That's a high risk business." So I definitely don't think I'm in the safest stocks possible. But I think you go down a dangerous path if you're trying to do short term stuff, like try to swing in and out of stocks and things like that. Even if it's with a small amount of money, it leads you to doing that more and more often, which is something I got caught into in 2015, where you kind of end up in this bad cycle of dominoes where it's like, oh, I'm making this move and I'm making this move. And you start getting in and out of the market. You start getting more in and out of positions. And ultimately in the stock market, I try to just stay focused because the more I do that, I know I'm not good at that. I'm not good at trading. Most people aren't like 98% of people. I'm not good at trading. I'm not successful at swing trading. That's not my thing. Every time I ever do that, I lose money. And when I say lose money, I don't mean like you go down for a little bit and then you make it back. I mean you like lose, lose money, right? You buy um, a call option in a stock because you think their earnings are going to be good and it doesn't happen. You lose 100% of your money. And so I think it's just a dangerous game that I'm not really willing to play. So that, that's why I try to stay away from that because I think you, you get into a real bad cycle when it comes to Got that. Got it. I'm also curious, what is in the private account? I oh, the, know. the private portfolio? Yeah. It's uh, pretty much all the same stocks you know of. Uh, Tattooed Chef's my biggest, which uh, Tattooed Chef, let's see, between the, so I think in the public account, I'm up to like maybe 20,000 shares of Tattooed Chef. In the private account, I might have like 65,000. So I think between those two accounts, I'm up to like 85,000 shares of Tattooed Wait, so Chef. Wait, so 65,000, what's, what's Tattooed Chef at? So 65,000 times, what uh, is it, 12, 12 dollars? Yeah, I don't know. A million. Yeah, like, yeah, roughly a million in the Chef. And um, so, you know, a lot of those are the same type of stocks. Honest, I've been buying Honest a lot. I probably have, yeah. uh, I don't know, three or 400,000 in Honest right now. Um, and then obviously I got some uh, plays that I don't have in the main, like STC. Um PayPal, I just started buying in that one. I already got 72 in, in PayPal now. So, But a lot of it's just, uh, you know, the same type of stocks. I don't, the one stock I don't own in my, my private account is Tesla. That's the one stock I don't own that Why? I do own in the public. I, um, I cashed Tesla a, a while back. And, when? Oh, I can't remember, but it was, it was uh, it's higher than when I sold. That's what I know for sure. Um, I looked at it and I was kind of like, well, uh, I could take a little risk off the table. I was a little tes Tesla heavy at that time, I felt like. And so I uh, cashed a little bit. But, yeah, it was a bad decision. Usually it's a bad decision to sell Tesla. I usually always regret it. And I've cashed out shares of the public account over time, too. And every time On I'm Tesla. Like, yeah. Because yeah, I was about to ask, why sell in the private but not in a pub? But it sounds like you sold in both. Yeah, in in the in terms of my private, if I recall, I always held less. So it was less to sell. Uh, in the public account, I'm now down to 500 shares of Tesla, which I know still probably sounds like a lot. But um, 
Yeah, that one that one I've cashed out of two. The thing that kind of worries me, and, and this kind of frustrates me with, with Tesla and this kind of the battle of your mind, right, is I'm trying to stay focused on the long term with Tesla. But what I do worry about is I'm like, I'm like, man, are they really, what if we were to go into a recession, right? Are people really going to be out there buying $50,000, $60,000 Teslas? And because Tesla is starting to get to bigger and bigger numbers, they're going to become more and more like an auto company in terms of trying to hit numbers. And if people aren't really excited to buy cars because let's say we're in a bad economic time, what does it mean for Tesla's numbers, right? So uh, these are kind of the conflicting things you have to go through in the stock market where it's like, okay, I'm trying to stay focused on the long-term of Tesla, but it trades at a super high PE. And what if we were to go into a recession and we're in a situation where, um, you know, people just aren't buying cars. So, you know, but at the end of the day, a lot of times what I found is selling Tesla is just usually a mistake, <laughs> mistake as, as funny as it yeah. sounds. And when I, I got a lot of crap because when I was buying in Tesla back in the day, I actually had sold completely out of my Apple stock back then. And I put my Apple stock into Tesla stock, which Apple stock's done amazing since then. Tesla did obviously much better. Um, and so whenever I've sold out Tesla shares recently, I've been putting that money into the chef and some of these other stocks. And people look at that and they're like, what are you doing, man? You're going to sell out of Tesla to put some money in that stock? Like, that's ridiculous. And I can understand why people think that, um, you know, and we'll see what what's the right decision over time. But yeah, most of the time I've ever sold, sold any Tesla shares, I usually always regret it. So... How much is in the private group? If yeah. you paid me one hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars, I would tell you, but Grand. not even ninety nine thousand dollars. <laughs> what if what, imagine it's like a thousand dollars? I know it's not a thousand dollars. Graham, what's your net worth right now? Uh, went down. All of ours did, man. Like, Fifty five million. That's no, like dang it. it's like fifteen now. Okay. But it, it was at, at the peak. It was sixteen five, uh, or like sixteen eight. And then I had to pay taxes, which bumped it down. Plus, the market went down, mm. so it's like fifteen. It's like fifteen now. Okay, yeah, that's Give a nice take. number. I yeah, well, you and you, so. you, you make videos about that too. It went from sixteen mm. two down yeah. to fourteen four. Oh, at the low. And, and Can you take was, a screenshot? No, I don't want to take a screen. I don't want to take a screenshot. Just, just use that. Just use that, <laughs> and then the market dropped on top of that. So fourteen oh, five. Yeah. Well, man, Nasdaq's gonna be rough tomorrow. That net worth's gonna go down more, man. I hate to break the news to you. So, but anyways, um, yeah. So, uh, I don't know, man. Do you wanna Do you wanna play our little game? Yeah, let's play a game. Okay, let's play a game. Right. Yeah. All right. So, what we're gonna do is we're gonna pretend we have a five million dollar portfolio, and we each have to pick uh, five stocks. And then we're gonna, when we're done, we're gonna tape it to the bottom of this table. And next time I come on, whenever that is, we'll pull it out. And we'll, we'll, you know, talk about the stocks and then we'll put it back. And then next time I come on, we'll do it again. Cool. So, all right. Uh, we need a million dollars in each stock. So first one, I'm picking. Two million. No. Oh, we're doing five. Yeah, five, five, yeah, Yeah, PayPal is the first one I'm picking here. P-Y-P-L. I think that's $131 here today. I'm putting a, a million in that. Okay. I'm picking the chef. You know, I, I wasn't going to do this without a good old TTCF. And, I, and that's uh, 12 and some change. Uh, let's see, uh, honest, honest. So H N S T, uh, that should be six. Think I'm going to go with the planet. Okay. Uh, planet. Couldn't see that one coming. <laughs> you couldn't see and that one last coming? one. Hmm. Oh, Corsair gaming. <laughs> I'm not going to pick Corsair just because you want me to pick Corsair. I'm actually going to pick SDC, which is SDC. What's to that today, guys? 270, 270, 290. So I'm going to have a good mix here. And Jack, right, you look so. like you're scheming over there. <laughs> the so I'm, def- I'm definitely doing Google. Oh, Google McDougal. And that yeah. is pre, pre-split. Oh, man, I'm going to be boring. I'm, I'm going to do Apple, too. And Apple Can we also is... include crypto? Oh, yes, we should be able to. Okay, I'll let you guys do it. All right, thank I don't like that. Yeah, but... I'll do Ethereum. Yours is going to be very similar to mine. I got three stocks, so then I'm going to do SPY. Uh, and then I'll do, why not, Bitcoin. Bitcoin, And okay. that is, what, what's Bitcoin at, Jack? 30, 38. Mm-hmm. All right, Jack, all you. Boy. <laughs> Pressure's on, Jack. All right. First Pressure's stock, on. Apple. Apple, okay. 
Oh, ours is so similar, Graham. Oh my! Jack, I'm also picking Google. This is what uh, this is what Jack does. He just copies my trades, <laughs> and then everything he buys just goes down. Oh my gosh! Like clockwork. We already know. I saw. Like I'm, I'm worried about writing down my stocks. Is Jack's immediately gonna be like, "Well, I'm gonna buy that. I could buy that. I could buy that." I'm gonna put Ethereum. Oh, jeez! Now Ethereum's gonna crash. <laughs> Thanks, Jack. I'm gonna put Robinhood. Uh, oh, the hood. <laughs> okay, I I appreciate that, Jack. At least that's sticking uh, your head out there for a bit. I appreciate. That's that. gonna be the one wild card is Robinhood. Yeah, I appreciate. I would that. be shocked if they're trading lower than they are today. But yeah, they got the problem with them. Is they got two more tough quarters to go through. Two more really tough comps. Oh gosh. Facebook. Are you gonna buy Facebook tomorrow? No. I'm actually not. Why? Their their numbers were so bad that even I don't want to buy the dip in that one tomorrow, which is saying a lot. But this is this is taking them back to basically where they were at the peak before COVID. Yeah. But dude, the numbers were so bad. So um it's bad, bad, bad. AMD. Okay. Wow, one one nineteen. I I remember it was at like one thirty. One nineteen. Okay. Point sixty nine. Okay. okay. 19.69. Dang. Okay. We're gonna. You know what I think the issue with Facebook is? Is that everyone they basically got the entire planet to sign up. Yeah. Like how many more? Like now the only new people signing up are like just have to be born. Like they have to. They have to like. And new you know, new people born don't want to sign up. Right. For Facebook. Well, and that's the thing. Then they're sign. Then they would rather spend time on TikTok. So I think they they've already got everyone that they could. Yeah. And so the only way is to expand on that is to either buy other companies. Who have a younger demographic, or they could try to advertise to the existing audience more. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like it's just it's it's an older demographic on Facebook, and I think they just care about they want the millennial audience. Yeah, and Instagram still does well, but the problem is Instagram Reels is doing really good, but they don't make that much money off Instagram. Right, Reels. Is Instagram Reels actually doing well? Yeah, for them it's doing well. I don't think it's doing as well as TikTok's doing, but it's doing well. They specifically cited that, but. They don't make uh, hardly any money off Instagram Reels compared to how much they make off feed and um, those sorts of things. YouTube needs to figure out their YouTube shorts because they're getting better with the algorithm, but still TikTok's algorithm is so on it. And Mm -hmm. I hate to say it, but it does feel like people are just – like they're taking the TikToks and then just slap it in YouTube. Yeah. Slap it in Instagram. Yeah. YouTube really needs to – I think if if YouTube were smart, they would pay creators for exclusivity. They're only going to create content for a year – on YouTube Shorts and pay a ridiculous a good amount point. of money because yeah. YouTube could probably that. afford it. Yeah, they could easily. Yeah, if With they Google paid their top creators and we say, "Hey, we'll pay you a million dollars a year, mm-hmm. but only post on YouTube," but I think yeah, yeah. A, a lot of TikTok isn't like the same creators getting a ton of views. I no, think like it's more I, people getting. I think a lot of TikTok is just like the overwhelming amount of people that just like are posting random stuff, like yes. random people, mm-hmm. and say some funny viral moment happens over here, then it gets traction on TikTok. That's the yeah. way it seems because I, I mean, I don't follow that many people on TikTok, but it to me it seems like I'm more so just getting shown the the funniest bits posted yeah. in the last five days, mm. regardless of who it's from. It doesn't seem as though the top creators like like on YouTube. The more subscribers you have, usually you get the majority of the views. But imagine if YouTube were just divvied up on whoever has the most retention mm-hmm. that day. Yeah. Like, that's the video you're shown. Yep. And just maximize this, the time that you're stuck to your phone. I think it's a little so. more older school uh, YouTube, like old, old school YouTube, when it was just kind of more of a free-for-all before people were really focusing on building channels out and things like that. And then after that, then YouTube pivoted toward... Um, like the, whoever had the most subscribers really, uh, you, you got like a dominant kind of feed before they went to the algorithm, right? Which I know the algorithm frustrated a lot of people, uh, when they actually moved to that and like your homepage could be whatever, you know, the algorithm thinks mm-hmm. is relevant to you. So that's probably just a stage TikTok's at, but you know, it's interesting seeing the Facebook numbers and their guidance, seeing Google, YouTube kind of not, uh, be impressive. I think TikTok's definitely a, a real serious competitive threat to actually YouTube. It, ab- it and, absolutely yeah. is because TikTok has figured out how to keep people on the platform for longer. Mm. And again, I look at I look at what Macy's doing, mm-hmm. and when she's brushing her teeth, yeah. watching TikTok, not mm-hmm. YouTube. Every now and then she'll watch YouTube, but when it's mm-hmm. the majority of the time, it's TikTok. And I see, sh- 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 mm. it's yeah. I, I. You know what I think it is? It's the the swiping. I think Tinder figured it out. 
that people like to just sit on the phone. They like to be kind of engaged, like with that swiping feature, mm. but with videos. And they've combined that with like the best of the videos that keep people watching the longest. And when you have mm. so much content on there, the algorithm can like pick and choose. It's wild. Graham, what's something you think Jeremy can work on? It's probably a long list. Let me start writing them. And down. what is something that you see in Jeremy that you admire? Okay, so what Jeremy could work on, I think, is the uh, the I think the aesthetic mm. of the brand, the channel, the Hungry Bull. I think all of that could be upgraded, and I think it's holding you back. Mm. I think when you look at all the YouTube channels with over a million subscribers, they have a good set, and mm. I think it's really, really, really important. And yours with the webcam and the little upper hand side, <laughs> the new viewers to your channel, it doesn't it doesn't bode. Uh, like sophistication mm -hmm. when they see that as a first impression. So I would say if you built out a good set, probably like 10K, just it doesn't have to be too over the top, but like $10,000 mm -hmm. in a really nice set with a really good camera mm -hmm. and you upload like that, I bet. It would be the difference like filming the Millennial Monies live yeah. versus the podcast. And and you see that, you know, just steady subscribing, then just a big bump. Mm -hmm. I think you'd see the same thing in your channel. Ooh, that's good to I know. I think everything, yeah. you could you could double your views with a good set. Ooh, that's good to know. Just good aesthetics across the board. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I appreciate that. And what do I admire? Jeremy's never stressed out. I've never seen <laughs> I've never seen Jeremy anxious, stressed. Uh very much just zen. I like mm. that. Okay. Oh, I appreciate that. Thanks. What about you, Jack? What can I work on, man? Um I would I would I would actually agree with Graham. I okay. think it's just like the the professionalism. And mm -hmm. I mentioned this when we were driving your Tesla. Yep. I'm like, dude, Jeremy, you really need to get a better quality camera, better yeah. quality audio. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that would all go a very long ways. And I think realistically it could if you spend, you know, five thousand yeah, that's all you'd need to spend. Yeah. It's five thousand dollars on a good camera, a good mic, and maybe just like curtains for a backdrop, that's it. And just like wow. a wooden table. Uh, I think you'd probably make that you money. Yeah. I was just thinking this would do really well for you. Mm -hmm. Is um like those, what what's the unboxing channel? Unbox there was it unbox therapy, where it's basically just a channel. table. Yep. With a not a green screen, it's like a gray screen in the back, mm -hmm. with some light shining up. You're at the table with your computer, a few little trinkets. Mm -hmm. That would be the easiest set imaginable. You get the headlight here, you get some lighting around here, and it's as simple as literally going over, flicking on a camera, and done. I think it would probably make yeah. its money back in like a month, easy. Mm -hmm. A few videos. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I would say with, within the problem three to is five it's videos. a lot of work. No, it's not. I, I feel like you could outsource it to someone and pay someone like three thousand dollars a month, and they would take care of all of that stuff. They could even probably edit for you. Yeah, it slows down speed. Though. Doesn't matter. It does not matter. Try, I think this is holding you back massively. Yeah. When you see how much work, because you're putting in this work on your channel. And you're mm. getting a small ROI compared to what you could get otherwise. Mm. It's like imagine someone clicking on one of your videos and they've never seen you before. And the first thing that comes up is like your desktop. Mm -hmm. I'm clicking out of that. Mm. You, you can't com compete with like Andre mm -hmm. who like makes his video. Whoosh, welcome back. Oh, to yeah, the, yeah. And, and it's like everything and magic and just the flipping cards and just crazy editing. He's talking about a high level concept. Uh, and Andre's getting like 300, 500,000 views a video. Yeah. You're, you're putting in the same amount of education between you and him. Mm. It's just the, the video itself, I think, needs to be a little more produced. Just slow down editing. Yeah. But for the work you put in, you'll get 10 times more than you're, than you're currently getting. Yeah. I, I mean, I have a little different view, and I, I do appreciate that, and I don't think it's a bad idea. Um, but, I mean, that kind of changes the brand. You know, those are very scripted videos. Like, Andre puts in incredible script work. Um, that would change up, you know, my whole thing, you know, in terms of, like, you have to do that mass amount of script work. You have to spend mass amounts of time uh, Kevin's, filming. Kevin's not scripted. No, I know. So you could do that. You you yeah. could do the same thing. That's what I'm talking about. It's flipping on the camera, but it's it's nicer. It's it's not oh, your yeah. desktop. But you, you yeah, were also talking about like slowing things down, like Andre, you know, and those you sorts of things. To. So I'm like, that, no. that's a whole different. I think way just of a little bit of a set, a high quality mm -hmm. camera, a nice mic would go a long way. What do you think something is that that Graham could work on, and what is something you admire Graham for? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, let's think. Work on. Um, trying to make people change their. It could whole be personal YouTube too. It doesn't no, have to be. Kidding. Yeah, it, it doesn't have to be work. No, no, no. Um, as far as work on, let me think, I think just, um, kind of expanding outside of just YouTube. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that's something you have been trying to work on. Um, I think that's kind of the big thing. You've got such a, a really successful YouTube thing going, right? You know, between all the different channels. So I think kind of expanding outside of that, I think would be really, really important. Um, you know, something I admire is just the consistency, you know, mm-hmm. in the work. Uh, I don't know a lot of people that like, um, you know, like really work like that, you know, and, and do it for years and years. And so I always look at you as somebody that I know is working all the time. And I, I love, you know, living, living next door. Cause I always know you're working and you always know I'm working. And so, um, that that's cool because I think there's a lot of people that get uh, very complacent once they get to a certain amount, whether that's like $2 million or $5 million or whatever. I think a lot of people get very, very complacent. And so I've just always appreciated that you, you keep grinding you keep working and you're not satisfied. So, that's something I, I honestly really admire in, in a big way. So, um, you know, uh, I respect like everybody that, that keeps, keeps it going once they have it. Cause oh. not everybody does it. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And then Jack, you know, as far as you, you don't need anything. You don't need to work on a thing, Jack. You're perfect. Jeremy, you, are you shouldn't, perfect. man. Oh. Jack wants to outsource his perfectness. Yeah. <laughs> Someone else could be perfect yeah. for Jack and he could hire yeah. it out. Wow. Yeah. I've heard you've been expanding your empire. Yeah impressive it's nice it's nice it's good stuff it's good stuff as long as you're growing yeah that's all that matters yeah that's all that matters so you're gonna have more workers than graham's gonna have soon (laughs) i might already yeah jack already already. no i I don't quite yet i I, I got alex but uh, jack is like two people already two or three people you're a tycoon man beast Oh, I don't know what they do, but you know what? Just stuff, man. It's, just it's, stuff. it's good for the economy. <laughs> you don't need to know. It's, yeah, I'm helping him out. <laughs> Unemployment yeah. is low because of Jack, because of this yeah. guy right here. He's yeah. hiring everybody. Oh, gosh. That's awesome, man. Cool. That's awesome. Okay. Graham, do you have anything other other questions? Anything other to mention? Jeremy, here. do you think there's anything else we should talk, t- touch on that maybe? Uh, no, I, I think, uh, you know, a lot of people are curious about a recession, if we're going to have a recession or something like that. I hate to end it on a damper, but, uh, you know, I think there's, I think there's a lot to be concerned about. You know, there's a lot of companies right now that are not giving guidance. So a lot of companies are very confused on what's going to happen out there. And, uh, Mr. J Powell, he's, I think he's even confused. So we'll see how many actual rate hikes. I put my head out there recently. And I said, I'd be amazed if the fed raises more than twice this year. Everybody's saying yeah. four to seven times. No, I agree with you. I oh, twice. wow. That's, yeah. that's a, not many people think like yeah. that right now, but with all the cloudiness, I think it's, a. I think it's going to make it hard for the Fed to, to raise in, in meaningful ways. Unless unless all of a sudden in the back half of this year, all the companies are like, oh, everything's great. Then they might raise. But outside of that, you know, I don't know. They might be a little more timid. So, mm. But yeah, that's about it. So, Well, stay tuned to see what happens on the next episode of <laughs> Is There Going to Be a Recession? <laughs> is Jeremy going to have another child? <laughs> stay tuned and subscribe. We'll link to your channel down below in the description. And sure. you can get your free stock as well when you sign up for public. Use the good gram. Jeremy, yeah, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you to public. And uh, wait, I'm not getting any money off that. Wait a minute. Don't thank you to public. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, guys, we got the paper. We got it right under here, okay? It's going to stay saved until next time I come on. And other than that, uh, buy the dip. Buy the drip, guys. <laughs> uh, Jack, we got...